Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So I want to go ahead and show y'all a movie clip. And it's going to give us a concept that we're going to talk about today. So let's go ahead and uh, show our clip there. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to music. Good morning and welcome to Atlanta A&T University Marching Band Training. The next two weeks will be your introduction and possibly induction into a great marching band legacy. If you're here, it's because you believe in musicianship. If you're here, it's because you believe in Coltrane, Miles Davis, Stevie Wonder, and the elements known as earth, wind, and fire. If you are here, it is because you have a fervent, unequivocal belief in teamwork. And if you wish to remain here, you better start believing in being on time. Well, we ain't gonna talk about that today. Who is your roommate? Uh, Devin, uh, Miles, sir. Eyes front! What's up, Dr. Lee? It's all good, Mr. Miles. Glad to have you here. Thank you, sir. Why was he late? I guess he overslept. Well, why didn't you wake him? I'm not his mother, sir. I asked Mr. Miles why his roommate was late. He says he guesses he overslept. I asked why didn't you wake him, and he says he is not his mother. Section leaders, what is our concept? One band, one sound. One band, one sound. When one of us is late, we are all so we're going to be a marching band today. Church, what do we say? Church, what do we say? All right. Now, remember that. We're going to change the words on it, but remember that. All right. <laughs> Thank you, JC. I knew I was going to get some action out of you today. So today we are going to look at a concept that everyone needs to be united on. Let's go to our Mentimeter. Ushers, close the doors. Don't let anybody leave. <laughs> Don't let nobody go. So when you hear a sharing, giving, generosity, be honest, what comes to your mind? The giving of time, all right? Love, money. Volunteerism, sacrifice, all right, empathy, all right, we're getting a lot of christian answers. Let's see if we get down to the heart of the matter. Maybe not. Service, leaving my comfort zone, gratitude. All right, I love the way we start off in this church. It's always so encouraging. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 4, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, written by Luke, 
Acts chapter 4. So God gives us an incredible example of what everyone in the first century had a heart for when it came to generosity, sharing, and giving. And I love Acts and the way Luke's right, being a physician, being very detail-oriented. You almost get a real glimpse into their everyday lifestyle when it came to this issue. So Luke, cha- I mean, excuse me, Acts chapter 4, Luke, it's funny because he mentions this concept twice in the first four chapters of the book of Acts. He talks about this as a lifestyle, and it's very, it's still early on in the whole history of the beginning of the church. So this concept must play a critical, important role to the overall movement of God's church. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Shared everything. Man, what are some belongings that y'all like, I ain't let nobody hold my stuff. I look at my J's right here. You may not wear a size 10, but I don't want you my J's. I don't know if I can let some things like let share everything. Do you under, understand the concept of property 2,000 years ago? It's not like it is now, like all of us, most of us have a parcel of land of some sort, apartment or home. No, it was very, very hard to own land. Extremely challenging. And then for you to have accomplished that back then and then want to sell it and give it to the leaders of the church, that wasn't easy to do. When you think about the cultural background, you know, Luke uses a lot of language that we see in early scholars that tries to speak of an ideal or a utopian community. I mean, you think about living in a place like this, it's like, who wouldn't want to sign up for that? That means Angel's car is my car. That means Mike's bank account is my bank account. <laughs> we can try. <laughs> This was very rare in the ancient society. This was not a culture that was going around everywhere. There is a particular uh, sect of Jews called the Essenes. And the Essenes were a part of the Jewish culture, a group of people that what they wanted to do was go way off in the desert, be isolated by themselves, study out the scripture, transcribe the scriptures. We think that the Dead Sea Scrolls actually came from this group of Jewish folks. But they lived with a heart of no private property. 
everything was everybody else's. Everything was shared in common. And when you go back to those ancient documents of the Dead Sea Scrolls, it is actually confirmed that this took place. By contrast, the early Christians had a little bit different take on it. Now, they sold property. They gave it to those who were in need for sure. They valued people more than property, but the difference was they still embraced private property. So you were still able to hang on to some of your things. Now, this conviction was supreme in the first early church that was nowhere else in ancient society. You know, one of our biggest controversies in this day is our concern toward the poor when it comes to not only monetary and material, but also spiritual. Many societies think that the obligation for the poor to get themselves squared away rely on the poor themselves and maybe their family. It's sad, but it's true. There's a strong tradition of blaming the poor based on a pull-up-your-bootstraps kind of mentality. And even people in the church, people that call themselves Christians, have this particular mindset. But this is utterly contradictory to the way that the Jewish tradition holds. We have to remember, when we read Acts, we're reading about Jewish people and their traditions. And that has been passed down into Christianity. So what we read as the scriptures started out in Jewish culture. So I tend to think, well, let's go back and let's see where their heart was. Let's see what their conviction was. And that gives us an insight into maybe what we should have today. The way they dealt with property was incredible. The tradition of Jewish philanthropy goes a millennia ago and still runs deep today. Many of the most philanthropic individuals, if you look at the top 15, eight of them are of Jewish descent. And also think, Jewish people, as we know, they, they, are, they understand how to work with money. They are very wealthy as well. So there's something there, church. I'm just saying there's something there. And so when you look at their ancient tradition, what is called is tzedakah. Tzedakah. And that's the Hebrew word for charity or giving. And so this Jewish tradition was actually a mindset where the spiritual benefit actually went toward the giver more so than the receiver because it allowed the giver to be able to partner with God in his mission and in his work. So if you are the receiver, you're actually giving the giver the opportunity to take part in Sedekah. The Jews believed that their own personal wealth, it wasn't their own. It was purely on loan from God. And what God wanted you to do when you look at Zedekah, it's not really about just giving money. It was the heart about bringing righteousness and justice to the poor. Both physically, materialistically, but as we know in this church, spiritually as well. When you look at Zedekah, it's not a choice. It's an obligation because of what God has done for us. So in 2023, let's be honest, church, this is not a natural behavior. This is not the human reflex to have the heart of giving like Setica says to do. God wants us to share what he has blessed us with, but we don't naturally want to do that. 
We don't have the heart to want to give back because our society says, store it up for yourselves for a rainy day. We've got to look at that bank account to make ourselves feel good that we've got a nest egg that we can rely on. Or we don't want to use our time because I'm too busy, I'm too important. Somebody else to do it. But the heart about this is whatever we have, it does not exclusively belong to you. It just doesn't. You have to have the conviction that it primarily belongs to God. And we are just his stewards, and he expects us to use it wisely. There should be nobody in the body of Christ here that has a need. There just shouldn't be. So, brothers and sisters, we have to be united on this. And that's the title of my message today. One heart, one mind, one purpose. What do we say, church? All right. We don't even got to do the rehearsal. So when I say, what do we say, church? Y'all know what to say. (laughs) Can't stop him now, Maldonado. So let's look at an actual individual. Let's look at Barnabas. The heart of Barnabas. Now, understand what this man did and who this man was. He was a Levite. All right. Old Testament, Levite was just to be a bold, poor priest. They spend all day in the temple. They do all the offerings, do all the sin offerings for the people. In the New Testament, them brothers got rich. Now, they got rich on some kind of funky ways. They were kind of running things like the mob a little bit. That's for another day. Really study that out. The Sadducees, man, them dudes were gangsters, man. They were gangsters, boy. They ran the church like it was a, yeah, they ran it. But there were some of them, like Joseph, who did inquire wealth. And we clearly read What Joseph did, there's no getting around it. That brother took his wealth, his field, something that was held up high, and he sold it. He didn't have an agenda for the money. He just put it at the apostles' feet. There was some trust. There was some partnership between Joseph and the apostles and the leaders of the church. Brothers and sisters, what does that look like for us today? Barnabas then went on to partner with Paul and go out on the mission field and create churches. So he just didn't stay back with his wealth and just gay. He was like, yes, I'm going to do that and I'm going to go on the mission and help people love Jesus. It's not either or, brothers and sisters, it's and. You know, it's funny when you look at the Gospels, the disciples that Jesus was working with, a lot of times they were arguing with one another, questioning Jesus about different things. It wasn't until Acts when you see them as a unified crew, 
ready to go out, busting through every place like Angel talked about. You can't, I can't help but tell you about what God has done for me. It was something in their hearts. And you know what it was? It was the Holy Spirit. And when they got united, it spread out to the whole church. And the Greek for that is homo themaden, homo themaden. And that means one mind unanimously with one accord. So brothers and sisters, as we move on to having one heart and one mind, there is another area that we need to have homo themaden in. It seems to be the inexpression of the church just being the church. And it's our one purpose, and that's kingdom expansion. We have to remember that through our giving, we have to keep the one purpose the main thing. We're not giving just to load up somebody's pockets. We're not giving just to have beautiful buildings. This is about helping people find Jesus, amen? You know, what joined them together was not a simple affiliation to a church. It wasn't about where I am and where I go. It was a spiritual unity in giving, a spiritual unity in passionately being committed to being on mission together. And that's the major point that I have for you today. Unity in our giving leads to kingdom expansion. You have to understand why we talk about giving. And we're going to get into some, some heart stuff on that. And I get it. There's a lot of different contexts that we come from. But look at this passage here that we just read. Right in the middle, sandwiched between giving, sharing, selling property, is the apostles and the brothers and sisters going out to witness about the resurrection of Jesus. You can't separate the two. They are intimately twined together. Community life, boy, we love hanging with each other. We love spending time with each other. I know some of us lean toward that as kind of being pastoral in nature, and that is cool. But hanging out with each other is not the end in and of itself. A vibrant community is a community on mission. That's Jesus' plan. Now, we're going to hang out with each other while we go, but we got to go. But we also got to give. So I had a very deep discussion with uh, one of my close brothers, and we were talking about money. And this is one of the guys that I can talk about money with. And, you know, we really go there and go deep. And he was like, say, bro, man, I got this idea. And, you know, I want to try to pay down loans and be debt free. And so I want to kind of take, you know, some of this money here. And, you know, I don't want to tithe on that money. I just want to give all that money to my loans. And we'll live off of this money over here. What you think about that? I said, well, brother, what do you think about that? You got all this money over here that we just not going to give to God. That's a lot of money. He's like, well, you know, the way I work it out is we'll be off debt soon, and then we'll be able to give much more back. I said, you know, sometimes we don't always have our financial plan like God really wants it. Sometimes we try to justify it a little bit. And it does sound good, and we had a good conversation. I was like, man, you know what? There are some needs that are going on in the church right now. 
And I think it may be wise maybe to take some of that over there and tie that back to God, give that back to God as these needs pop up. I said, hey, remember our vision for the church to create churches that mobilize the next generation. That's what God put on our heart. That's what we all signed up for. Hey, we're trying to create a church. We're going to need your help, brother. He came back like, man, I hate when I talk to you about this. I said, I hate when I talk to myself about it because I don't want to do it neither. But we had an incredible talk, and it was so edifying. So write this one down, write this one down. When you partner with God in that way that that brother did, giving leads to healing and holiness. When you look at the medical part of this, there was a study done out of a medical uh, college in uh, Stony Brook in New York. And they found that when you are part of two or three giving uh, entities, you have decreased blood pressure, decreased dementia, decreased stress, decreased anxiety, decreased depression, decreased chronic pain. My, my wife said, shoot, my body still hurt. Maybe I need to give more. Because <laughs> I'm still hurting. <laughs> you know, there are also neurochemical uh, substances that are triggered when you give such as endorphins, which gets us all pumped up and excited and be able to push through pain. Dopamine, which is that excitement chemical. Oxytocin, which is the other chemical that gets us excited in other kind of ways. I'm not going to go there, so y'all leave that alone. If you don't know, you don't know. But if you've been to some of my talks about other stuff, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, it is <laughs> so it even increases life expectancy. In some countries where giving is a little bit more higher than others, they have a 60% decrease in mortality rates. So when we are partnering with God, with his work and his mission, we experience God. We're going to see that today with a group of men that are going to help uh, one of our guys become a disciple today and follow Jesus. And I will tell you that they have experienced God. Ask them what they felt during that process. Because when you experience God, that leads to healing and holiness. Amen? Amen? So when we see all these incredible things that can happen with giving, and we see the examples that we see in the first century church in the book of Acts, what causes us to pause when it comes to giving? Now, I got some real stuff up there. You didn't plan it out well. It's giving fatigue. We're just giving too much. Lack of trust in what you're giving towards. Not sure what the Bible says. Or maybe there's church hurt. So we got a nice little run, didn't plan, and lack of trust. All right. So, yeah, I think, you know, and I figured didn't plan would probably be the most common thing. And that's why we have to have healthy one another relationships. You should have one person or one couple in your life that you're comfortable with to be able to talk about your finances, how you give your time, how you give your talent, how you give your gifts. It has to happen, and then that way you can come up with a plan. If we stay in our own head, we start justifying a lot of stuff. Now, we got to kind of dig down on that lack of trust thing and ask yourself, who do you not trust or what do you not trust? And you need to have conversations. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. So I know you may be feeling a certain type of way right now. That's usually what a generosity message would do to folks. 
Because what happens is you feel like, it may be me today, be mad with me, you know, I don't know, but it's the word of God. You may feel like something is threatening your kingdom. It ain't your kingdom. That's what you got to start with. It ain't your kingdom. And I had to understand that as well. It's not mine. And I got to really give a shout out to Brother Ricardo Dunmoody and his wife. They really taught me a lot about it ain't yours, Jackson. It's just not yours, bro. But we have to remember the Jews' context, as I have alluded to, hey, we should kind of maybe follow what these folks are doing, versus our context. Now, the Jews' context, they were very homogenous. They all kind of came from the same walk of life for the most part, had the same upbringing, same teachings. So they got Sedeca. They got it. So when it got teached and preached, they were like, oh, yeah, man, we know that. You know, mom and dad talked about that. Granny talked about that. We get that. In our context, we got a melting pot of folks, man, coming from all different types of background, all different types of DNA when it comes to what giving looks like. We've got some people that's sitting in this room that's been asked to give to a building fund, and they ain't seen a doorknob yet. And in their right, they're like, dude, you're talking about building something. We ain't got nothing, but yet... We got all these bells and whistles that, you know, different leaders may have or the church is going here and the church is going there and where is it all at, right? And so then people come into our context with these defenses when it comes to giving money. We have to remember people have seen and experienced a lot of abuse when it comes to giving. Even here in the city of Atlanta, man, y'all know all the stories, there's some crazy stuff that has happened, and people that are coming into our network have been a part of that. So we have to be patient, and we have to continue to preach what biblical giving looks like. And we have to embrace and apply God's financial principles, and God will work through it. So what are we practically giving to? What are we practically giving to? The first question is, what can I give? Now, you cannot choose one or the other, like I said. There are three main categories of generosity. One's wealth, one's physicality or, you know, your time, your lifting, your, you know, go help somebody move, and then your wisdom, your knowledge, your advice. So it's all of those. We can't say, oh, man, well, I give the church 10% of my time, so I'm going to hold back on my money this month. No, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. Or the reverse. Hey, I've given, you know, a bunch of money. I ain't serving this month. It's and. It is and. So we can give to one another. You have to listen to folks. You have to share life with folks. You have to have sympathy, empathy to know what they're going through. There's a family in the church that realized that, you know, the men's and women's retreat were coming up. They know there's some sponsorships that are needed to help some people go. And so they came together as a family and decided to say, hey, we will support one man and one woman to go to the men's retreat. They kept their ears to the ground. They listened to people's needs, and then they acted. The other thing we can give to is God's mission and God's church. That's what Barnabas did. Barnabas didn't give the proceeds from his land to some specific individual. He brought it to the apostles and just laid it at their feet and just trust 
that God has empowered them to help us move forward with that money. So we have to know that what we are giving to. So we want to make this simple. So the vision fund. The vision fund is what we are encouraging people to give to. So I got this from our website. It says, at the Path Church, our vision is to create churches that mobilize the next generation. For us, this means allowing people, no matter physical age, the opportunity to know God deeply and to get to work building his kingdom. The vision fund was developed to specifically invest in resources that meet the goal of equipping God's people in order to create churches that impact the community. So the vision fund is kind of our in-house fund. And that's kind of what we talk about with special contribution versus your weekly contribution is, hey, this is an extra sum of money that me and my family are going to talk about, pray about, get advice, and we're going to give to the vision fund. So we want to keep that very simple for everybody. I know sometimes there can be a lack of clarity about what you're giving to. So that's what we are encouraging the brothers and sisters at the Path Church to do the vision fund. Amen. The church launch. We'll need everything. We'll need money. We need physical. We need wisdom. We need it all. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I tell you what, we trust that the church will be the church. Amen. When the church presents a need, ask questions. If you have a lack of trust, go talk to the people that are asking you for the money. It's okay. That's what we're here for. We're here to have these conversations, to be open and honest and respectful of one another so that we can be united for the one purpose. Pray about it. Get advice. Listen to God. But you have to be willing to part with whatever God is asking of you. Because quite frankly, it's God's anyway. I spoke with one of the most generous brothers I know that do say, yeah, I pray about it. I listen to God, and I try not to justify it. I try not to rationalize it, but I don't always want to give. I say, you don't always want to give? I say, yeah, man, it sounds like, well, man, I don't give to that, man. They, they can figure it out. This is one of the generous dudes I know. So he doesn't always feel it, but he says it's not about what he feels. It's about what God is putting on his heart, and he's a part of something bigger than just himself. Now, he said, hey, I'll be honest, I also don't want to feel like, you know, I'm being gamed or, you know, I'm being manipulated. So I do have to have some trust, and he will ask questions, and that's what I love about him. But he says, look, man, I'm not trying to make any silly decisions with God's money. So write this one down. The one heart is sacrificial, not silly. So we have to have the heart of, I got this. Angel talked about that with Bree last week. With her gifts and talents, even with our money, hey, if you see any, I got this. Don't worry about it. I got it taken care of. Go do something else. That's what Barnabas did. That's exactly what he did. And when this happens, we see kingdom expansion. Now, we're not telling anybody to go sell all your stuff. You won't be able to meet all the needs. For example, the Jewish tradition, now they have a tradition uh, it's kind of a rule, and I'm not saying we do that, but it's, but it's not silly. They say, hey, the average person do not give more than 20% of your income. Want to know why? Because if you give that much, then you will need community support. 
We already got enough we're trying to do. So be wise. Don't be silly. Be sacrificial. It should hurt. I think a lot of the times we give out of excess. What's extra in the pot? And the most generous brother I know says, before we even do anything, God gets his bit. Boom. First fruits. But it has to hurt. Paul mentioned last week that we all can grow in our generosity. We can grow in our monetary generosity, and we can grow in our non-monetary generosity. And this year has really been tough as I reflected on and had some conversations with some of the staff and leaders and other brothers and sisters. Man, you know, inflation hit like crazy. Your buck can't do what it used to do. Then taxes hit differently. Those of us that own property taxes, whew, and then unexpected expenses pop up. Health issues come around. So maybe you couldn't give exactly what you planned for. And maybe we have to give up something for a time to make it happen. I look at my life, I'm like, boy, if I stop drinking coffee for a year, I probably can fund something in and of myself. <laughs> Y'all know how much I love my coffee, boy. But, you know, literally, let's be real, like leisure activities, whatever that may be. I'm not sitting here telling somebody not to go on a family vacation, but, hey, what if you miss one for the year? How much money, how much time, how much energy, how much emotional? You come back from a vacation, you're just as tired before you left. So how about just, <laughs> what do we, so go to the minty question, go to the minty question. <laughs> What do you struggle to give up to be generous and give back to God? What do you struggle to give up to be generous to give back to God? Time. Oh, yeah. My time. Money. Entertainment. Comfortability. Yeah, I have to be honest, man. For me and my family, it would be hard to give up a family vacation, boy. Ooh, the Disney cruise ship be riding, Jack. I can't, boy, so it's tough. I, I like vacations. Yes, I love it. There you go. Somebody with me. So, you know, we got to figure out what that struggle is because, quite honestly, that may be what God is asking you to give up for a time. And that's a tough pill to swallow. I know that's a tough pill to swallow. So homework. Let's have some talks in our mission groups this week about the heart of generosity and what you are willing to give up for a time. Giving is an act of worship, and we can't ever outgive God. And church, I hear to say it's been such an exciting opportunity to be a part of what we do here. The giving that goes on in this body of Christ is absolutely amazing. Not only our money, but also our time and our talent. Heck, we got people that even give cars. We even got people that have given organs in this joint. So we are already doing this. We just have to continue to grow. God always provide, and you can't outgive them no matter how hard you try. Church, what do we say? Church, what do we say? What would it look like for everyone to have the one heart for giving for the one purpose of kingdom expansion? The blood of Jesus does it all for me. 
is because of that blood, that pain, and that humiliation brings us to our why. Our why for everything, including being God's generous steward. We're going to take communion now, and communion is an opportunity where we get to remember the body and the blood of Jesus. The piece of wafer cracker represents his body, and the juice represents the blood that was spilt for us. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak with you today, Father, as a body of Christ, a local body, a local congregation that is moving out into the fringes to encounter the people that are marginalized, to introduce them to your son. Let our heart of giving and generosity overwhelm, overwhelm the outside forces of this world. God, we are excited that we have the opportunity to partner with you to give what you have given to us. God, let the giving monetarily and non-monetarily make an impact where people can experience the love of Jesus and healing and holiness can happen in their lives. In your holy son's name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.